Father, we come together tonight to give you thanks and praise for bringing us together again. <laughs> Lord, it's been a little while since we've uh, opened up your word and shared it, Father. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Uh, we just ask you to reveal your word to us in a new and, and wonderful way. Give us the revelation that we walk away differently than we walked into this place. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for everyone here. We pray for those that didn't show up tonight uh, because of the weather or because of other obligations or whatever. We pray for those that are listening to this podcast. Father, bless them and and uh, let them share in the revelation that you're about to share with us. We empty ourselves as vessels for your use, your glory, and to you be all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, it's it's really nice to be back. Um, you know, in the last two weeks, before we get started with the Bible study, I just wanted to share something with you guys because it's, to me, it, it's it's something that has deeply impacted me in the last couple of weeks. Um, as you guys know, I've been, you know, my business took me away in the summertime. We do a lot of conferences and trade shows and and. And as my company grows and, and my responsibilities as far as meeting with other executives come, I mean, when you first start a kind of a small business, it's no big deal. You know, you go out there and you're looking for people to talk to. But as your company grows and, and you know, praise the Lord, ours is growing, um, people start looking to talk to you all the time. And it doesn't stop. And I have just come back from two weeks of working about 10 hours a day, 8 to 10 hours a day in a booth, and then after that having to do the corporate CEO entertainment thing. And all through this, you know, I mean, you, you rarely run into a believer in, in, in this group. So what's, what happens? You know, Jesus takes a back seat to everything. And you get so caught up in what you're doing and what you're doing and what you're doing. And, I, you know, by the time I got home, I was just exhausted. And it was a thing where you're saying, Lord, I know I got to spend time with you. I know I got to spend time with you. And I, I, I will, I will, I will, I will. And days go by and hours go by and weeks go by. And I, I didn't really realize it almost until I got home because when I got home, you know, I have little ones and, and, and you know, I have a, 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 an eight-year-old and I have a three-year-old and I have a two-year-old and I have teenagers and, and you know, and everybody and, and, and my wife and everybody wants to be a part of daddy. Daddy's home. Daddy hasn't been around for two weeks. You know, um, mom's been kind of taking it easy, you know, and and uh, and and the kids have 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 had a great time with mom, and you know, so things aren't aren't always, you know, the kids weren't necessarily going to bed on time every day and all that stuff because it's summertime, you know. So I get home, of course, and I'm tired, and it's daddy this and daddy that, daddy the other, and I, you know, I realized at that moment because I was getting irritated. I was totally in my flesh. I got, I got home and, and there were some problems with my AC. There was just all kinds of stuff. And, I, and, and, and really what I came away with was understanding, you know, some of us look at our relationship with Christ so religiously. Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go spend time with the Lord. He, he requires me to spend at least three or four minutes a day. Or ten minutes a day or whatever. And, you know, like it's, like it's, like it's going to do something for God for us to be there with him. Um, 
we were talking before we started recording about medication and about how, you know, how we have to take medicines and, and things like that. Anybody here on a medication that you'll be taking for the rest of your life? I'm supposed to take thyroid. Sure. Yeah. So there's some medications that you'll take them, right? And, and that's it, man. From here on forward, you've you got to take this medication for the rest of your life or you'll, you, won't, you won't live a full life. You won't live the way that you're supposed to live. And, that, and, 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 and that's really the way our walk is with the Lord, isn't it? Once you gave your life to Christ, once you really drank from that spring, once you really understood what Christ was to you and what he meant to you and how you know his strength is so much more than our human strength and how his supernatural anointing in our lives does so much more than our natural just the way that we want to deal with things when you stay away and you're not connected and you're not going to that 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 fountain that, that living water that he spoke of to the, to the woman at the well in Samaria, you know, it really, you start to feel it. You start to feel it. And I, I just, there, there's no other purpose but for me to just share with you guys, you know, I really came away understanding, you know what, Lord, I, I understand you love to spend time with me and it's wonderful that you love me so, but I really have come to the understanding that the time I spend with you isn't for you, for you. it's for me. It's really for me, because once I know him, I can never be without him. You know, and and it is so vitally important. I learned a very valuable lesson in the last two weeks, and I just want to share that with you, that, you know, even if it's a little while every day, you know, take the time, talk to the Lord. Your life will never run right. And, And what happens is, you, you just get carried away and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, Lord, where, where are you? Where are you? And guess what? He, he didn't move. You did. You know, and that is so important for us to realize when we're, you know, I, I don't know if I'm speaking to someone here today, but I certainly know I'm speaking to myself. You know, um, I was I was even concerned about doing the Bible study. I mean, I came back. And I was like, you know, can I do a Bible study? Lord, I don't, I don't feel you. Where are you? You know, and it's only by his grace, honestly, that I'm, I'm, I mean, it's by his grace that I do these anytime anyway. But I mean, even more so tonight that I'm here. Because even as early as this morning, the devil was saying, well, you, you, you're, you're, you're too tired to go do a Bible study. You've been working and you haven't been in the word and you haven't been studying right. And, and shut up, Satan, you know. Um, the Holy Spirit gave me the word a couple days ago, and I've been chewing on it. And, and, and today I sat down to do the Bible study, you know, and, and put it together. But still, I mean, you know, this is, this is our life. The same way as you've got to take that medication every day now, because your life won't be complete without it. You, you actually suffer really bad physical consequences, um, when you don't stay connected to the Lord, when you don't spend a few minutes with Him every day, you know, you not only will have spiritual consequences, but physical ones as well. Because when you look at some of the, the, the stress we put on our bodies, you know, every day, spending time with the Lord is essential. And if there's one thing that I can say is spend time 
even if it's five minutes, but you know, with the Lord, obviously we want to spend quantity as well. Quantity is important because that establishes relationship. But it's also about quality. If you can only spend, if you go through a period of your life where you can spend five minutes of quality time a day with the Lord, then do it. But don't ever let days go by. And, you know, don't, 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 don't go through what I just went through where I, I literally went through two weeks and I, and, 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 and it was, it was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And it wasn't guilt. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so guilty. Excuse me, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like the devil came and beat me up and said, oh, you bad Christian, you know. You, it was just a matter of just realizing I wasn't connected. I, yeah, I, 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 look at, I looked at other people. I looked at situations even that came up in my life that come up in other people's lives every day. And it, they bothered me just like they bothered them. You know that when you're a Christian, and we're going to talk about this tonight some more, but when you're faced with, with situations in your life, you, since you're a believer now, you actually look at things differently than you used to before because you have more of an eternal picture, you know? You have a more, a more cosmic view, man, <laughs> you know? And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, more, it's, it's more of a view that you, you understand that, that no matter what, what you go through here, it's just temporal, man. It's not, it's not eternal. You know, your eternal issues have been settled. Amen? Amen. You know, so I just wanted to share that with you guys um, before we get, we get started. Tonight's study is called Riders on the Storm. And uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to roll out Jim Morrison and, you know, and all that. But, you know, inevitably I knew someone was going to do that. <laughs> But, uh, and the subtitle is From Bethsaida to Generet, Gener- <laughs> to Genesaret. To Genesaret. There you go, Genesaret. Okay, so I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, uh, to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. We're going to study. We're going to study verse. Go down to verse forty-five. We're going to study the story. You guys have heard this before about the storm and when the when the disciples were out on the water and when Jesus came walking to them on the storm. I mean, on the water. We're going to study that tonight. We're going to look at the two stories. You know, this this account is actually told in three of the Gospels. It's told in Mark. It's taught in in Matthew. Chapter 14, which we're also going to look at tonight. And it's also taught in the book of John. Um, the book of John doesn't focus so much on the aspects of the storm and everything, but it, it, it does show, it, it's more focused on the, this is kind of a story within a story uh, about the bread. And, you know, the book of John talks about how Jesus is the bread of life and he's the bread of of heaven. So that's not what we're going to touch on tonight. What we're going to talk about tonight is the storm. Now let me set the stage for you before we read. Here uh he's just fed the 5000. Remember the you know they came and Jesus showed up a little late on the scene and and uh and and it got a little dark but he was ministering and you know and it was time for for the people to eat. And uh and the disciples were like, "Hey man, got to send these people away so they can they can go eat. Jesus said, no, 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 go see what, what they got. And there's a little kid who brought his lunch and he brought five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus splits these up and feeds 5,000 people. 
you know, and, and then there's enough for the disciples to pick up. So uh, Jesus is already kind of, shall we say, flustered with the disciples at this point. I mean, Jesus said, how long will I deal with this perverse generation, you know? You guys are twisted, basically, is what he's saying. You know, when he, when he talks to not only the, the different people that, you know, the different Jews, but also the disciples, he would get pretty frustrated. And, and before people say, well, no, but Jesus is love, man. No, Jesus was love and, and, and still is love. But love is truthful, and sometimes love could be pretty firm. I mean, I love my, ki- my kids when I give them a whack on the behind if they misbehave. That doesn't mean I don't love them. And I'm certainly not angry, you know, a little irritated perhaps at this point or that point. The Bible doesn't say anything about being angry. Being angry is not a problem. I mean, I don't think that Jesus was, you know, jumping up and down and smiling with joy when he knocked over all the money changers tables and you know, went in there with that whip made of cords and you know, and, and, uh, and uh, bones, you know, so, and, and started whipping people in the temple because of what the money changers were doing in the temple. He was angry. But in all of that, the Bible says he did not sin. So there's a difference between being angry and, and, and being angry and sinning. Well, that's righteous anger. Absolutely. And, uh, and, 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 you know, so there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a frustration here in Jesus that we can see coming across. Uh, he's already dealt, first he's dealt with this, this, this situation with the bread, right? And now they're, they're, about to, they're about to close up shop for the day. Jesus has already fed them and, uh, and he's kind of, you know, he, he, he's kind of had it. And, and he's trying to wrap things up so he can get off to the mountain to pray for a little while. And I, I, I laugh because that's when G- Jesus needed some quiet time. You know, just to like chill out and just get away. I got, I, Lord, I just need to get away from these people for a little while. So let's, uh, let's start. Um, Henry, if you could read um, in Mark chapter 6, verse 45, read down to verse 53 for me. Okay. Immediately. He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Ran. That's it. That was okay. okay. That was fifty-three, right? Yeah. Okay. So 
this is the first account. Now I want you to turn with me, if you will, and, and, and after we do this, um, I want you to keep a finger kind of in both because we're going we're gonna to go back and forth here tonight. Now turn to Matthew chapter 14. And what the heck, Henry, since you already did this already, the, the, the first one, read from 22 to 34 for me. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountaintop by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Keep going. Yep. No, keep going. Okay. And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. 32? 34. All the way to 34. Okay. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret, and then that's it. Yeah, they came to the land of Genesaret. Okay, so here we've got two accounts. At first glance, you'd look, and it's kind of like, okay, so this is kind of a continuation of this story of, uh, this is kind of a continuation of the story of, do we have a way of turning that off or something, or down, or... Oh, that clock? Yeah. No. It won't no. ring again. No. It, it'll ring... Every 15 minutes. It'll ring every 15 minutes and it dongs at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll deal with it. Okay, so... It came last week. It, it, we just got it working again. So, so here we're, we're dealing with a story, it would seem... That's just kind of a continuation, okay? These guys have kind of wrapped up for the day, you know, and, and, and Jesus got a little frustrated with them, went to the top of the mountain, decided, okay, you know, now they're, now they're out there on the, on the ocean and, you know, out on the, the, the lake or what have you, and they're, they're a little frustrated, a little scared, you know, and Jesus comes walking on the water and, 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 and takes them to the other side, right? That's the, what we call the logos, Okay, or the literal word. That's what you're reading on the page. But you've heard me talking in the past about the rhema of the word. Okay, and the rhema of the word is the revealed word as revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Understand that the Bible is full of not only, it's not only logos, it's not only what you literally see on the page, Okay, but it's also the revealed word. That's where we get the the saying about the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Mm -hmm. 
You understand? Because everything in the scripture is a type and shadow of Christ and of what Christ did for mankind. Everything from the garden forward, from Genesis to Revelation, is a demonstration of God's love for his creation and what he did and his sacrifice for his creation. And it's over and over and over and over and over in the scripture just telling us how much God loves us and what he did for us. And it's done through typology. Okay, and that typology is made real to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice when Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, Who do you say I am? And Jesus said, and Peter said, Thou art the Christ. And he said, Good job, Peter, but it wasn't you who realized that, buddy. It was the Holy Spirit that gave you revelation about that. You see? So at that point, what Jesus was demonstrating to us is, Yeah, you may understand spiritual things. But it's only because the Holy Spirit opens up your spirit to understand it. The scripture says that his spirit ministers to our spirit. Before you got saved, you look at this book and you'd be like, what the heck is this? You know, what are they talking about? People walking on water and ghosts and, you know, this is trippy, man. This is, what is this? You know, and this is where we are tonight, where we're going to look at uh, these these two stories, or this one story, in the light of the Rama revelation. So let's 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 dig in. Okay. So first, we're looking here, and it says he made his disciples. They they didn't go into the boat willingly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now in the King James version, it says they he constrained them. Okay. In the Greek, that means compelled by force. He literally grabbed them by the ear. Now, you're going in that boat. And now, why do you think that they didn't want to go in the boat? Because they wanted to be with him. No. 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 There was a storm coming. These guys are fishermen. They know there's a storm coming, dude. There's a, you know, they're like, hey, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? The people are going home. You just fed the 5,000. Yeah, it's all good. But look out there. There's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, he had had it. He had had it. He was, look, get in the boat. Get in the boat. And he, little, can you just picture him grabbing each one by the ear? Now you're going to get in that boat. You know, and finally he got so frustrated, he said, well, go to Bethsaida. And in the Hebrew, do you know what Bethsaida means? Land of curses. It's place of curses. Okay. So what does the scripture say? That before you this day, I place blessings and curses. Which one will you choose? Mm-hmm. You understand? They, Jesus didn't want them to go to Bethsaida. And I'll show you that later. But he, he you know, he wanted, you know, but they chose to go to Bethsaida because he they wouldn't they they wouldn't take him at his word. You know, they see a storm and you know they they don't want to 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 they don't want to deal with the storm. And really that this is how God deals with us. Sometimes um we'll see a situation and we just don't want to deal with it. You know, God will be showing us a situation, hey, you gotta take care of this. 
No, I don't want to deal with that guy. That's that just too painful, man. You know, or you've got this situation, you've got this sin area in your life. We, we've got to deal with it. Bring it. Confess your sin. You know, confess it to me. Put it, lay it at the foot of the cross. Let's let's deal with it. You know, or there's a problem, or there's some turmoil going to come in your life. I mean, there's some some things that you've got to deal with in your life, and this isn't just sin. You know, God doesn't want to be just involved in your sin life. God wants to be involved in your entire life, in every aspect of it, every, everything that you have, everything you own, everything you possess. And why is that? Absolutely, because it's his. And also because he wants to give you a greater revelation of who he is. Do you realize that the bigger the storm the bigger you realize how God is, how great he is, how, he is, how awesome, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, they faced, they faced one of the most awesome firestorms of their lives. But they also, in the middle of the firestorm, you remember the story, the, the King Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, you, you got to worship the golden idol and the golden statue. And they said, we're not going to do that. So he got all bent out of shape and he brought the furnace fire up seven times and said, well, now throw them in the fire. You know, it wasn't enough just to keep the furnace hot. He had to make it seven times. So as they got tied up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tied up and they were thrown into the fire. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three guys into the fire? And weren't they all tied up? And there's four guys running around in there now. <laughs> what is that? What's going on in there? And he says, and wait, and one of them looks like the son of man. Amen. Which, of course, is Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you understand that Jesus was in the middle of the firestorm with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Mm -hmm. And Jesus is in the middle of your storm with you. You understand, these guys came out of that, the, the, you know, the story says that they came out of the fire. They didn't even smell like smoke, man. They weren't wearing the, the tethers anymore, you know, the bonds anymore. They, they didn't smell like smoke at all. You see, so when, when, when God puts you through the fire, you don't even come out smelling like smoke. That's true. You come out refined. You come out refined, right. You see, and why is that? Well, to bring us to a higher level of faith and understanding of who he is. You understand? It's a, it's a, it's a, a, it's a situation of you know trusting him, having faith that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, he's going to bring you. But here, back to our story. So now he tells him, "Get in the boat. Get in the boat and go across, and I'll meet you on the other side." Now sometimes. And as we'll see, you know, God will tell you to go do something and you'll be in the middle of the storm like these guys were and you won't see God necessarily. But you know that God told you to meet him on the other side. You know, and he's there. But, but I, I, I get ahead of myself. But what is the boat here? What is the typology that we see here in looking at the boat? Well, the boat... The boat is kind of your security. You know, if you're, if you're in the ocean and the boat is going here and there and everywhere, at least you got something to hold on to, right? You know, you're holding on to the oars, you're holding on to the, 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 the rails. You know, at least you got something to hold on to. So God's graciousness, God's grace was there. You know, they were holding on to the boat and they were in the boat. But now the typology of that, of course, is what's your boat? Is your boat your job? Is it your business? 
Is it your income? Is it your lifestyle? Some people even have their church as their boat. Oh, I know because I go to the church of who knows what's it that I'm sure not saved. You know, we've been saved in my family for, you know, generation upon generation. So, of course, I'm going to heaven. No, it doesn't work that way. But God is gracious enough to where, you know, the storm came. But notice that their boat, their, their security, while it shook and it moved and it didn't flip. Right. You see, he, he said, meet me on the other side. But How? I mean, how and how were they gonna how were they gonna meet him on the other side when the scripture says that they were thrown, they were tossed about, you know, to and fro. I mean, you know, so we see a shore. Is that the shore that Jesus wanted us to go to? Or is that the shore we just came from? It's very simple. It's it's very simple. He predetermined it. He said, This is where I want you to go. Meet me on the other side. And if you're going through the, if, if you know, if you're going through a trial, God is already giving you the victory. Okay, but you've got to realize that sometimes we got to walk through things. The Bible says that yo, there, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. So as you're going through the storm, sometimes you can't, you can't see him. You can't feel him. You know, in the last couple of weeks, God didn't move when I was out there working and, and doing my thing. And, and, and I had. And what moved me away? Well, I wasn't connected. Being connected to God has everything to do with the way you walk, the way you talk. How do you, how do you deal with life as it comes? Because God has already given you the victory. Do you realize if God, God in, in, in Jesus Christ, there are no losers? There are no what? There are no losers. Oh. There are no losers. Now, now, we were losers before we came. And I tell people, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, well, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. No, 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 no. Sorry. Before you came to the Lord, you were a big old loser. You know, the body of Christ is full of losers or redeemed losers, if you will. Because now that we're, we're on the winning team, God has already given you the victory. What is the storm? Well, the storm is your problem. Whatever that problem is. You understand? He, he, he made them use faith in, in going through the storm. Because I was, uh, I was out. My friend had a, a big old boat one time back in, in Miami. And, uh, and he used to love to go out in this boat. And, you know, and, and I used to work a lot at that time. So I didn't have time to go out on this big old boat. And this is a big boat. This is like a 47 foot. This is like a yacht. yacht. You know? and, uh, and he said, come on, dude. Let's go out on the boat. This and that and the other. So you know, I, I went out on the yacht with him. And, and, uh, and I was with my wife. And, and we, we, we had a great time. We spent the night on the yacht and all this. But the next day, it was in, uh, we were in Miami. And the yacht would be parked in Fort Lauderdale. So we had to ride up the intercoastal, up to Fort Lauderdale from Miami. And we dropped my wife off because uh, she needed to go take care of the baby and stuff. And, and at the time, we, we just had David. And she needed to go take care of the baby. And, and, uh, and it was getting kind of ugly out. But, you know, we figured, well, we'll go out. You know, it's no big deal. 
man, we started going and the wind started kicking up and the and the the ocean started going nuts and there was a point in that storm where i mean the, the lightning would hit the water and we both would f we felt the 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 lightning come through the steering wheel just the you know from the from the electricity and that we finally we got up to Fort Lauderdale and just docking the boat I'll never forget I mean he 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 would tell me Mikey I can't see nothing you know I can't see where we're going the it was this driving rain <laughs> yeah right it's like hey we're in the same boat now buddy you know so here in the storm, Jesus is making them depend on their faith. He's making them, you know, they're, they're rowing. The, the Bible says that the wind was against them. Right? Mm -hmm. The wind was against them. Well, the wind, of course, represents the enemy. Isn't Satan the king of the, uh, the, the, the prince air. of the power of the air? Right. You understand? And the elements, when we talk about elemental spirits, okay, there are elemental spirits that control storms and I mean do you do you really think that God sends hurricanes to destroy people? No. No. That is not God sending now that doesn't mean that God can't use a hurricane to bring people to correction. I mean we've read of evil spirits from the Lord in uh, for example in the book of Samuel where where uh, where God sent an evil spirit of the Lord upon Saul. Okay, and what he did was he used that uh, to minister, so that David would come and minister to Saul, and uh, and give God a, uh, give Saul a revelation of of God and 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 that. But here, um, this is a the wind was against them, and they, I I can just see it. I can just see them going through. I can't believe Jesus made us go through this. And the storm is getting crazier. And the storm, I can't believe you. Look, at he's, he's probably, you know, hanging out, having coffee and having, having scones and hanging out at the Starbucks. And we're out here, you know, getting to the other side, going through the storm. See, understand that complaining didn't move Jesus. With, do you think, I mean, the, the, the scriptures, he compelled them to get into the boat. He dragged them to get in the boat. I, you're, I'm sure that they were, come on, Jesus, what are you, man, there's a storm coming. I'm God, I'm the son of God, and I'm telling you, I know the end from the beginning, and I'm telling you, get in the boat. You understand? Look at that in your life. How many times don't we fight against what God is telling us? To the point where he has to drag us into the boat. Get in the boat, man! Stop complaining! Complaining, complaining, negative words, all that stuff. It doesn't move God. The only thing that moves God is faith and obedience. Amen. Faith and and obedience. Now that doesn't mean to deny what's going on. I mean, acknowledge the circumstance. But you, you have to ignore the conditions. Okay, acknowledge the circumstance, but ignore the conditions. That means, yes, I mean, Abraham, God told Abraham, hey, you're going to have a kid, man. I mean, you're, you're going to have a kid. And Abraham said, really? I'll take you at your word, God. But the, the, the circumstance, the reality is that I'm a, Hundred-year-old guy, 
You know, I'm an old guy. That stuff don't work no more. You know, but it says that he believed God. And God met him at his place of faith and obedience because he walked in obedience to what God told him to do. Except for the fact, of course, you know, when he didn't walk in obedience, he uh, the, he, he had his uh, his uh, wife go uh, and he, he went and created a baby with uh, Hagar. But that's a whole different story. Um, in this particular case, he believed God after a while and God rewarded him with a son. You understand? But because he kept, you know... And God wants us to keep our eyes on the, the goal. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what, what you see. Look ahead. Look straight forward. You know, I, I tell people when it comes to the Lord, God wants us to have tunnel vision. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just look forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You understand? And when, and when, and when you do that, he's going he's gonna to see you through the storm. Well, why is that? Because he's in control. He's in control. Do you realize that the, the, the gospel and the whole Christian faith walk is based on, fa- on, on faith and obedience? Believe and obey. Trust and obey. Remember, we talked about that in our last, uh, in our last Bible study. Trust and obey. Those are the two hardest things for us to do, is to trust and obey. And when God says, I'm going to do this for you, God doesn't stutter. God doesn't tell you one thing he's going to do today and, and, and then not do it for you. The thing is that you have to persevere. And the reality is that the longer you complain, the longer you have a negative attitude, the longer you just you know, speak negatively about your situation or aren't willing to face it, the longer that storm is going to be. Because, at the, at, and, and I can show you that in a sec. Um, notice here that he came to them in the fourth watch. Now, the fourth watch is somewhere around three, between three and six in the morning. You know, the, the, the first watch is from, uh, nine, from nine to midnight. The second watch is from midnight to three. No, yeah. I'm sorry. The, the first watch is from six, to, from, I'm from six to nine. The second watch is from nine to midnight. The third watch is from, um, from midnight to three. And the fourth watch is from three to six a.m. Now, isn't that interesting? How many times don't you get woken up between three, anywhere from one to six in the morning? Yes. You understand? Yeah, right around three o'clock. Isn't that weird? No matter where you are, no matter where you are geographically, it seems that you get woken up at three o'clock in the morning. Yes. And the, and the thing is that sometimes... The worse the, the the worse your situation is, you know, that's when he comes. And he shows up on the these guys were at their wits end, man. They were being he was watching them from the land. He could see it. He's up there on the mountain, he's looking and going, Oh man, it's getting crazy out there for him. And they they were freaking out, man. They were jumping at shadows already. They saw him coming on the water and they were flipping out. Oh, it's a ghost. And and he showed up at three o'clock in the morning. You see, God is going to come to you at your darkest hour. In the middle of the night, when the devil is out there trying to beat you up, 
where you can't sleep and you're tossing and turning and you're worried about this and you're worried about that, the Spirit of the Lord comes and says, hey, come, spend some time with me. Now sometimes, <laughs> the, the Spirit of the Lord comes to us at 3 o'clock in the morning because it's the only time we shut up enough to listen. And it's the only time that He could get our attention. You see, God wants to spend time with you every day. And if 3 o'clock in the morning is the only time He can do it, well, guess what? You're going to get up. You're going to get in the boat. <laughs> you know. So what does He tell them? Now, now this is, now, now you got to picture this, okay? Here, here they're, they're, Jesus is coming, walking on the water. And the scripture says that he intended to pass them by. Okay, when you're in the middle of your storm, and you're, you're complaining, and you're frustrated, and you're, you're speaking the problem instead of the solution, God is right there. But you know what? He'll just choose to walk by. Why bother? Why bother? You're not inviting him into the situation. You know, here it says that they cried out. Hey, what is that? You know, and Jesus said, it's me. But more than that, he said, he said three things to them. He said, take courage. It is I. And then do not be afraid. In other words, don't worry. It's me. Be happy. Can you picture Jesus? Wait. Now think about this for a second. It's storming outside. Boats going like this everywhere. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. Here's a little song I wrote. Don't worry. Be happy. And they're, what are you talking about, man? Be, don't worry. Be happy. You know, it's it's amazing because in the middle of all of that, Jesus is loving them and laughing. It, it, it finally got funny to him saying, hey, it's me. Don't worry about it. This storm is from me. This storm is from me. It's meant to give you a greater revelation of who I am. Look at me. I'm walking on the water, man. I'm here. I came to you. When, when you start looking at, at God and the way that God does things, natural things stop and the supernatural kicks in. You understand? When he got in the boat with them, that calmed the storm. You see? But I digress. We'll go, we'll go back. Would you repeat what you said there? I'm sorry. I missed that. Uh, just before. Uh, I'm sorry. Which which part? You just finished it. Well, he I I, I it wasn't it wasn't prior it, to him getting in the boat. What the he got in the boat he and caused everything the, uh, storm. He yeah, he caused the storm. storm. Absolutely, he yeah. caused the storm. Right. And and what for? It's for a greater revelation. Okay. It's so that you can learn to trust him. Understand, most of us, you know, Lord, give me a book. Let me read about it. I'll learn. I promise. Give me a book, and I'll learn. I promise, give me that. But you know, I, I, I interview people uh, that come to work for us. And, and those of you that work in, in human resources uh, and, and, and hire people for your businesses, you know, sure, it's great if they come with a degree. But you, you, you also ask them something really important. How much experience do you have? Because degrees are great. Book learning is awesome. And I'm not discouraging book learning. 
But there's nothing like the school of hard knocks, the school of life, the school of experience for anything that you go through. And God takes us through that experience without the storm, without the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, without this this storm here. These guys would not have gotten a revelation. Ultimately, they got it. But it still says even, even later, even after Jesus got in the boat, it says their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand all this stuff. Go down to Matthew 14, read 29 and 30 for me, Henry. Matthew? Yep. 14. 14, 29, 30. So he said, come. And when Peter had come to him, had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. That was it? That was 29 and 30? Yeah. Okay. Now notice, first Peter said, okay, if it's you, and, and this is what, sometimes we do that. Yeah. God will tell us, do this. He said, well, Lord, is that you? And we'll do it. We'll put out a fleece. Amen. And then we'll put out two fleeces. Amen. Then we'll put out three fleeces. Yep. Finally, you got to stop putting down a fleece and you got to step out, right? Yep. So Peter steps out. Now he's keeping his eyes on Jesus. Okay. Then he starts looking at the circumstances. Whoa, you know, wait a minute. There's a bunch of wind, man. You know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and what does he do? He sinks. <laughs> but hold on a second. Isn't Peter a fisherman? Mm-hmm. He, he, he freaked out so bad by sinking, he forgot how to swim. You can't tell me a fisherman didn't know how to swim. He forgot. Lord, save me. He screams. Mm-hmm. So Jesus reaches out his hand, grabs his hand, and gets him and gets him back, you know, gets him back out of the water. Now, what is that? What is the typology there? Well, 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 actually, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, that's right. You keep from sinking. But if you do sink, what water in the scripture represents the word? You understand? We're in 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 uh, in the book of Ephesians. Paul said that we're bathed in the water of the word. So the word is referred to as water. Okay, so here, what happened? Well, hey, the devil tried to drag him down. So he just needed to get a little dunk in the water. And then he came back up again. So how does it work? In our faith walk, hey, the devil knocks us down. We go underwater. We get immersed in the word again. We come right back up again. And we keep our eyes back on Jesus. Sink a little, oops, fall back in the water, get back up again. You understand? It's not how many times, what the devil wants to do is keep you down. He wants to sink you, man. When you're down there, he wants to push you down. It's not how many times you go down. It's how many times you get up and get your eyes back focused on Jesus. When you walk by faith, keeping your eyes on Jesus, you know, supernatural laws come into effect. The natural laws are gone. See, faith is a law. Okay, faith, when you, when, you start to, when you start to take God at his word, God doesn't say do this and it might happen. He says it will, he says, it will happen. And here you see that, that the storm ended 
when Jesus got in the boat. Let me show you something. It says they got back in the boat. Now, does it say that Jesus got back in the boat and then helped Peter get back in? No. Mm -mm. No. Guess what? Peter walked on the water again. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah, let's both of them walk on the water. Yeah, when when Jesus when he when when he reached when he reached out to him, yeah, he said he said save, save me. Yeah. Jesus gave him a hand up. It says they both got in the boat. Mm-hmm. Which means they walked back to the boat. Jesus didn't carry him. That's true. They both walked back to the boat. Okay, and they got in the boat, and the and the wind was immediately calmed. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, now read read Mark six forty five. Uh, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. Right. Okay. Now go to go down. Mm-hmm. To verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus just say to go to Bethsaida? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know that now, 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 this is deep now. Okay. Okay. Good. Get ready. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Now, Jesus got in the boat with them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Wind Peter. calms down. Yeah. Okay? Now, they dock at Genesaret. Genesaret. Do you know what Genesaret means mm. in Hebrew? Peace. Land of miracles. Ooh. So you see, because they had faith, because, now, because Peter had faith, do you understand? The other 11 stayed in the boat. Why didn't they all walk out? They didn't have the faith. They didn't trust in God enough. These, I mean, they, 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 they believed in God enough to be around him. But they didn't, they didn't want to take him at his word. You see, and this is what we're dealing with with many people in the church today. They're looking around them at the circumstance and they're not realizing that God has given us a word. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony is not just how you came to Jesus. It's if it's you got saved, man. And now that you've got saved, now that you're a child of God, you've got power in your words. Your testimony. You need to speak to the mountain. You need to speak to your situation. The only person that spoke to God in that entire scenario was Peter. Amen. All the other 11 just sat there and watched. It's the typical 80-20. Mm-hmm. You know, 80% of the work in the world is done by 20% of the people. Mm-hmm. You understand? In Ephesians 6.16, it says, in addition to taking up all... I'm sorry. It says, in addition... To all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the enemy. All the flaming missiles. That means that no matter what comes against you, 
Your faith confession can defeat it. Do you realize faith and obedience, it comes down to faith and obey. Believe, you know, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Take God at his word. God will be in the middle of your storm. He will show up in the darkest of your hours. He will hold his hand out to you. He will take you up and you can walk on the word again. And then when you finally get to the end of it, he will bring you into the boat. He will bring you, he will come into the situation with you and it will calm. The storms will calm and you will be in the land of miracles. Oh my God, yeah. That is just fantastic. Wow. Yeah, what a great analogy. Wow. You understand? It's, understand, His grace is in the storm. His grace is in the storm. He, he was frustrated with them, no doubt. Go to the land of curses. If that's what you want, go to the place of curses. But He came out walking on the water. And, and what happened? Well, the scripture says that if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. They cried out, what is that? God didn't say, oh, you didn't say the right magic words. Oh, what is that? He said, it's me, man. Don't worry. Be happy. So Peter then answers back and says, well, if it's you, then call me and let me come to you. And Jesus said, come. And sure, now, Peter, Peter stepped out he stumbled, but God's grace, Jesus held out his hand and said, here, come on, picked him up. Let's walk back to the boat together, hand in hand, on the water. Let's do the supernatural thing together. You understand? You understand, folks, that faith is a decision. Do you know that it takes just as much effort to believe as not to believe? When you're afraid... When you're afraid, really afraid of something, it's always on your mind. It's always in your heart. It's always on your lips. You're always thinking about it. You're, you're obsessed with it. The next time that you feel that way, turn it around. Speak the opposite. Don't trust this flesh of yours. Your flesh is going to always tell you about the problem. It's always going to tell you about the circumstances. Always going to tell you what could have happened or what could happen, what should happen. What might, and you say, you know, I believe by faith because when I walk in faith, supernatural laws start coming into play. Okay, when you walk in fear, you're calling God a liar. You understand? Faith is a law. Faith is a law. God is watching over his word to perform it. If God said, do it, do it. Jesus said, I'll meet you on the other side. Okay, that means that I'm not going to be with you for a little bit. But take me at my word. I'll be there. there. And at your darkest hour, I'm going to be there to carry you through. To bring you through. And to bring you to the land of miracles. Amen. Amen. Amen.